Hey guys, real quick before we start, I just wanted to remind you that we will be recording the Compassionate Achiever podcast live here at Western Connecticut State University's Midtown Campus tonight, October 26th at 6 p.m. in the Kathwari Honors House. We'll see you there. Hi, and welcome to the Compassionate Achiever podcast. I'm Tracy Day. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Chris Cook, political and social science professor at Western Connecticut State University. He's founder of the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation, director of the Kathwari Honors Program, a Harvard Fellow, Fulbright Scholar, and ex-counterintelligence officer. And his latest venture, is the author of the book, The Compassionate Achiever, How Helping Others Fuels Success. Hey, Chris. Hey, Tracy, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? Uh, after the dog bite, <laughs> I, it, I got some good news from the dog warden that the dog is has all its records and is up to date on its rabies shots and all of its shots, so I don't need to go through the rabies round of uh, craziness. So that foaming at your mouth is it's just really normal. just something it's else? It's just who I am. It's, it has nothing to do with the dog, it's the when, dog bite? Well, you know, it, it could eventually be. So if you see me nibbling on dog biscuits, you know that it's actually gone through my system. And, and, and maybe the dog warden was off on his records. Yeah, exactly. So, but that was great news because then I don't have to go through all the Seriously, the that's like a major deal. Yes. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, I, I definitely don't want to do that. And the... The dog bite, I'm doing much better walking Good. around and it's... And you didn't want to take that dog away from that poor old man. No, no either. way. That's why I didn't go to the ER. That was really, that was a compassionate move. Well, I'm just going to say. Thanks. You that can, was good. You can tell that he was, that dog man, everything to him. I know. You know. And sometimes people like that, like if you did that, just think what might happen to that old man. Yeah. Seriously. Well, so. you know, back on the men. So what I'm really psyched is our guest today. She's... She's somebody that I admire, I look up to, and I got to meet her on um, the Charter for Compassion. And she's the director. I know you're going to introduce her and all her titles and her previous work, but she's somebody who is authentic. She's real. We love that. Oh, yeah, heck yeah. And the real people. Yes, and I got to stay with her, and that's who she is. What you what you get with with Marilyn is literally what you get, and it's it's a pleasure to to, to be around her because she brings out I think the best in people. And she's doing a Herculean task uh, for the Charter for Compassion. She's doing, she wears many different hats, and she's bringing compassion alive, not just in the United States. But I'm, I'm talking, Tracy, across the freaking world. She's, she's everywhere. She's, doing, she's helping India, Australia. You name the continent. You name a country. She's somehow involved in it. And to me, to, to get any, you know, recommendation from her to say, you know, um, you know, she, she was one of the first to read my book actually. Oh, and great. it meant a lot to me, you know, the words she wrote in support of it. So, you know, she's one of my superheroes. Did and she mark it up? I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not <laughs> even going to ask her that, <laughs> but why don't we get to her? Because I think yes. she's, you know, she, we, there's so much to learn from her that I think our listeners will be able to walk away as compassionate achievers with some really great tools. I love that. Well, I want to welcome Marilyn Turkovich. Marilyn is the director of the Charter for Compassion International, and we're certainly going to talk a lot about that. She's also the program director of, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marilyn, do you say it the CAN International, C-A-N International? What is the correct uh, pronunciation of that one? I'm not sure what. 
No, I'm not even sure what you're talking about, but that's okay. Sure, I'll be uh, part of that. <laughs> the CAN. The CAN. Compassion Action Network or something was that? Okay, okay. Yeah, the Compassionate Action Network was the forerunner, uh, uh, or maybe I should say the incubator uh, for the Charter for Compassion. Oh, I see. So it's kind of morphed into the Charter Something for bigger, Compassion. Something bigger, yes. Okay. Well, it still is its own organization, but we became our own 501c3 a few years ago, and they really helped us along the way. Perfect. So you can feel free to, connect, to correct me on any of these other ones, too, because so far I'm Maybe back you better thousand. stop right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stop while I'm behind, right? <laughs> Um, so are you still the principal of Blakely House Design Media and Communications? You know, that, that was a business that, uh, as Chris knows, my most of my professional life has been in the world of academics. And for a period of time, um, I, I moved over to doing some organizational development and started my own company. And one of the things I found in working in the world of business was that in terms of instructional design, uh, there was a great similarity and an incredible uh, need uh, that really resembled the same things that I was doing with teacher education and my prior work of being a principal. And so um, after a few years of doing that, I thought I had a great opportunity um, to move over to a new project called Voices in Wartime. Um, and it was from being executive director of that organization that I came to the Charter for Compassion. Terrific. Wow. Well, there we go. <laughs> yes. why, don't, why don't we start with that? Let, tell us about the Voices, um, the, that organization. What is it, and how did you get involved? And Well, Voices in Wartime... Uh, really grew out of um, a film that was an independent film that made its way through uh, lots of independent distributors, some PBS stations, and it was an incredible film, still is, um, about looking at poetry and the arts um, as they really reflected peace as well as war from the beginning of written time uh, to contemporary time. And so one of the things that, that we did was really to create an incredible archive of materials um, that related to this wonderful writing that, that would happen all over the world uh, through centuries of time. And so along with that of course, just because of, of my background in education, came a great deal of curriculum that was available free and still is available uh, to teachers and students around the world. And, and you know, Tracy, when you, you meet Marilyn face-to-face and you get to talk to her, you can tell her, you can tell that she's just an educator at heart, right? Mm-hmm. She, the way she explains things anybody can understand when she talks it's 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 a pleasure to be around because she's it's innate to her mm-hmm. and, and and when on that topic in terms of explaining so that everyone can understand Marilyn I want everyone to can you give us a sense or the mission of the Charter for Compassion because that's what you're, sure. you're leading right now and I want to get, get everybody online with what the Charter for Compassion is yeah, maybe just a tiny, tiny bit of background on the Charter. 
for people who might know the British uh, historian and theologian Karen Armstrong, uh, she won the first TED Prize, uh, where there was a monetary gift along with recognition of her work. And this was in 2009. And the whole idea that she expressed through her TED Talk at that time was the fact that, you know, as as a civilization, and, and when I say civilization, I'm, I mean a global civilization, the only thing that we really had left uh, was the golden rule, compassion, that we would act um, on behalf of others, and that she felt that we had nothing left. Uh, if we were going to do the work of peace building and healing and uh, reconciliation, but to work towards really doing compassionate work with one another. And so from that that whole notion uh, came the idea that why couldn't we have uh, a charter for compassion? And the TED organization helped tremendously with that, uh, first by using their ingenuity of saying, let's ask the world uh, what we mean by a charter for compassion. And they opened it up uh, online and asked people to contribute. And I think about 180,000 or close to that number of people gave their ideas and then from there it was condensed and synthesized and uh, a group of uh, interfaith leaders from around the world uh, put together the Charter for Compassion which is just a little over 300 words and the idea is basically the golden rule and what it also implies is that we should never do harm to anyone uh, that we should look towards the needs of others uh, and to really commit to action. And that for us, we use the word um, compassion as, as action, critical action that we do on behalf of others. So it's a little bit of the background. But what we do as the charter primarily uh, is to work with grassroots organizers. So everyone who might be hearing this call might say, you know, what is it about living in my community, my city, my village, whatever it might be, uh, makes it a little bit uncomfortable when I look at it holistically. You know, could it be race issues as we're encountering uh, so clearly in Charlottesville? Uh, Could it be the hungry that are um, on our streets, students who are really facing um, the the need for you know someone to talk with and someone to work with in terms of uh, being leaders for the future. Uh, it goes on and on, and it all depends on you know where we are and who our community is, and so that's what the charter is all about. We work with with these grassroots organizers. So as an example, um, yesterday I, I spent a part of my day communicating with people from Charlottesville. Uh, and there were a number of other U.S. cities who said, oh, my gosh, this could happen. What's happening uh, there um, in our own city. So, you know, how is it that we can start a charter for compassion, which is basically a group of citizens coming together and saying, okay, we know what we need to do. Uh, we haven't been doing it, and how do we do it? And somewhere along the line, um, 
you know, we, we need to get as many people, as many voices into this discussion and into the ownership of an action plan that we're going to do. Uh, so that's what the charter's all about. And when Chris was saying we are all over, the truth is we are. Um, and so often people come to us. Um, you know, today so far I've been in conversation with a small group of people from Yemen. Uh, last week, a, a young group from Iraq, uh, from one of the cities who want desperately to do something. They're not ready to create a compassionate city because war is happening around them, even though supposedly the war has ended, um, but they're still fighting. Uh, and they are surrounded by about a million refugees and know that something needs to be done. And so what they're looking for is to try to put together youth leadership uh, a program that would really help the youth of the area. And so uh, my day is fruitful. Uh, adventurous, confusing, and very often, I have to say, somewhat depressing because you have to have to step back and say, you know, uh, how can we help this particular group? And the way that we help them is we have about 1,700 partners, um, and they're uh, within 12 different sectors so that we have businesses, um, healthcare groups, education uh, organizations as well as schools who are compassionate schools um, and and the list goes on we have a brand new uh, social justice sector and a brand new women and girls sector so each of these sectors also have projects that are trying to um, really respond to needs within a specific geographic area or to take on projects that are more uh, global in their scope um, I could go on and on, uh, but that's you're doing that's great. What the Keep going. <laughs> this makes our job really easy, Marilyn. <laughs> no, seriously, this is terrific. So tell us about some of those projects that they're doing, and and for the listeners that may be interested in trying to talk to you and give you one more project, like how would they right. get a hold of you and that kind of thing? Well, they could they could get a hold of me simply by writing an email, Marilyn at charterforcompassion.org. Um, visit our website, which is the Charter for Compassion, um, and and take a look. And you know, we have over the last couple of years uh, created, for example, a toolbox, an organizing toolbox uh, that helps these grassroots. Uh, organize, organizations come together and say, okay, here's some proposed steps. They're procedural steps. We don't have to do them. But one of the ways um, that we put that uh, toolbox together was to take a, a look at what happened with the TED group. And we said, okay, we have a number of cities. At the time that we started this, we had about 90 cities. And we said, okay, what are you working on? And how are you doing this? And what's working? What's not working? What are the kinds of tools that you might need? And so we kept open a, a Google Doc for probably six months so that uh, different individuals and uh, organizing teams could drop in and put down their ideas. We had conference calls around these ideas. Uh, and then 
what we did was we worked with the University of Kansas, who has really been in the business for over 30 years in creating community toolboxes. And we did what they called a mashup because they had an awful lot of materials already. Uh, and they helped us really specialize what we needed. And so we now have our own organizational toolbox for uh, cities who might really be interested in, in pursuing this so that when you start, you're not alone. Um, um, and, you know, the first thing that we try and do is to say, you know, if you are interested, even as one person, um, to begin an initiative in your city, then the next best thing to do is to start talking about this and find some like-minded people initially so that you can start this dialogue. Um, and then after you, you get the like-minded people together, you look around the table and say, okay, Who's not here? Um, and who needs to be here? Whose voices need to be heard? And, you know, are, do we have a good representation of age, of ethnicity? Uh, do we have a good representation geographically within our community, organizationally within our, our community? And then to really invite in the other players. But at the same time to say, what's working? What do we have that's really very successful in helping other people? Uh, and let's make certain that we have those key leaders in, in those key organizations, and so we have uh, someone to to learn from. Um, and then, you know, the initiative starts. It's not an easy process uh, because very soon as you begin this process, you begin to work with your local uh, city council, local government, the commissioners, whatever it might be, and really extend the dialogue and then to say, okay, what, what does it mean to be a compassionate city? Uh, or in some cases, for example, what does it mean to be a compassionate country? Uh, we have a very successful um, group of people who are working in Botswana. And when they first approached me, I mean, we do everything on uh, on the Internet through conference calls and webinars. Um, and thank goodness for, um, you know, platforms like Zoom where we can actually see one another as we, as we share our ideas. But Botswana came up with a 12-year plan, um, which, you know, again reflects exactly what's going on uh, within the communities in, in Botswana. Uh, so one of the very first things that, that they started to deal with was ending corporal punishment, not only in schools, but trying to help parents uh, deal with how to discipline children, how to involve them in making decisions um, and working with social agencies. So this was of you know one of their first their first goals. The second really big one um, was to register all indigenous people so that they would have the rights to health care and the right to education. Um, and you know I could go through all twelve goals and they are they are so incredible in terms of the success that they've had and I mean this is really a truly grassroots effort, but at the same time, it was probably not more than a month or two uh, before they got some key leaders in the country uh, to be in, involved in their projects. Hmm. 
fascinating. It's terrific. So how do they go about once they lay out these kind of ground rules or what, what did you call them again? I'm sorry. The, um, well, they're issues that become uh, really, you know, key components of an action plan for them. Okay. And it can be started by anybody. And it could be anybody. Yeah, it, that's a group the, of students on Western Connecticut State <laughs> University, for example. I love that. I love that. And we're going to get to that too. But so, how does some a, a country like Botswana go about uh, starting to encourage people to adhere to these um, to this action plan? Well, I think in the the case of Botswana. Um, or probably most any of our other initiatives, um, it it takes on a project um, kind of process so that when they first started, um, they decided that the very first thing, as I said, they they really wanted to deal with corporal punishment. They wanted to help educate teachers uh, to say that, you know, discipline is really all about natural and logical consequences and not about hitting a student uh, to hopefully in in the eyes of, of the educators to make them right because as we all have experienced, that usually is not the way to go at all. And so as we started no, to talk about that, I said, uh, do, you have, do you have people who can help you with this? They were pretty certain that they didn't. So what, what the charter did uh, through our network is, is that we contacted the Virtues Project, which has its home in Canada, but also has projects around the world. And luckily, they had a project in Kenya. And so they said, you know, if, if our Ken the folks in Kenya would be willing to go to Botswana, that would be great. And they did that free. And so they came in, they did train the trainer, they did it three times. And so then they had a core group of trainers. And then those trainers went on and trained throughout uh, the country. Uh, And we're not talking about a very large country. In fact, that, you know, when we, we think about a country of having a few million people, um, that's like some of our cities are, are far larger than that. But over a period of several years, they were able to to bring that about. Uh, and and that's the way that I, I think that most of our, our programs uh, kind of move forward. Like, for example, in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, one of their concerns was that they wanted to make certain that their chil- the children – uh, in the area that needed food would always be assured of having food. And so then they started to um, to work with another one of our partners, Feed the Children. And so they have pledged as a core group of uh, compassionate Dallas-Fort Worth that they're going to package a million meals uh, for for children. And so that's that's quite a few meals. And so they've also designated that, uh, in addition to the meals being given to children locally, that they they would elect to to give meals to children in other cities and other places in the world as well. And I love that you mentioned, um, and Chris, you said this too, that it can be started by anybody. Like so, when you think. Oh my gosh, how do I go about, you know, starting something, you know, it'll never happen. But this is a way one one person can do it themselves. They can get a friend, they can get a few friends, 
you have, like you said, kind of the legwork done for them a little bit, or you're willing to walk through it with them on your website. I mean, this is terrific. It's like compassion ripples. Well, not only yeah. that, and Chris, I, I'm not sure if I was cutting you off, but the other thing is, is that many, many of the folks who are involved in initiatives are really willing to uh, act as mentors to others. Mm. Chris is a great one. He's he's our fantastic mentor for universities who say, you know, why not, uh, you know, our university becoming a compassionate university? Has anyone else done this? And I always say, well, you want to go to Christopher Cook. Uh, <laughs> while we have, we have probably over a hundred compassionate universities already, uh, but Chris is is one of the mentors that we rely on uh, quite readily, and so and he never says no, which I think is. <laughs> Is something that, you know, is part of the compassion movement. I, I mean, you might say, geez, I'm filled to the gills, but, you know, there, if I can't do it, there's someone else who can probably help. So let's talk about that, Chris. How, how did this come about um, here at Western Connecticut State well, University? Well, Marilyn and I connected. So it was two students mm-hmm. came up to me and, you know, said, Dr. Cook, you know, we were having the Dalai Lama come to campus. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want his visit to be a one-and-done event, right? So he would come, and then everyone would feel happy. And it was, oh, what a great event. And Now what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then nothing usually comes of right. it. So we wanted to do something uh, like that. And so we scoured um, the Internet, and Marilyn had the Charter for Compassion up. Students and I, we connected. But what was kind of crazy is when – Marilyn, I think you called me, right, because I sent the – the I, I, whatever it was, either I called Marilyn or Marilyn called me, but it was on the day, literally the day of the Sandy Hook shooting. Oh, wow! And so we were on the phone, and all the emergency systems went off, right? And you know, literally that was our first phone call to the Charter for Compassion hmm. was that day, and I was setting up the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation here. I wanted to create a network, a web of compassion. So when we move these initiatives forward, um, and, and Marilyn knows I call it weaving. You weave various threads of politics, economics, um, intellectual, academic pursuits. You weave them all together. And, you, and the one strand that I wove them together was the idea of compassion. And to get us to move forward as a university of compassion, you know, I loved what my students wanted because it, it literally is from the grassroots. But then I knew from my previous lives as a counterintelligence and other, other experiences that the more I could connect it throughout the community, the stronger the possibility of seeing our dream come true was going to be real. Because they were working there. You got Dan Barry to do it, didn't you? Yes, we have Dan Barry to do it. A former student of mine was, took the lead on the Danbury City Council. Um, we eventually convinced the mayor to form a committee. Um, so Danbury became a city of compassion as Western Connecticut State University became a university of compassion at the same time. And one of the reasons I did that was to find also, you know, who, when you're dealing with politicians, you also kind of deal, who funds them, <laughs> right? Who <laughs> Always comes down to the dollars, <laughs> well, doesn't it? <laughs> and I was able to connect to some of the real big power brokers mm-hmm. in the area. And that's a key, key thing to do is to connect with community and they get it usually a good chunk of the power brokers understand the role of compassion and so the byproduct of it is that we got an advisory committee here on the university on compassion of all successful business people 
you know, all multimillionaires who stepped up to the plate and said, okay, we want to help you even further and get things done. And so it kind of it just keeps snowballing. And the latest university that Maryland linked me up with was in Maine, University of Southern Maine. Mm-hmm. And so they came down here for two and a half days for a conference we had. And I just, after the conference, we went back to the honors house and had chocolate milk and water and, uh, <laughs> and talked about compassion, how to set it up and get it going in, in their area of the woods. And what's really cool is that... The, Marilyn is an automatic weaver in my book, right? She just, she connects the dots. She can see the dots, you know, better than most people around the world. And, and she's, she also never says no, right? <laughs> so, you know, when I call it, when I emailed her on the podcast, I know she's booked, right? <laughs> and, and, and she, she said yes, right? Fitting it in. Oh, and we appreciate it, Marilyn, so, certainly. She literally is communicating it. with the world all over the place. And, you know, she's allowing us the time. So this idea that when Marilyn says you're not alone, She's, she really means it. So one person, and it was your, what you were just saying, Tracy, you don't have to be and feel overwhelmed. There's resources you can connect to and people who've gone through this before and have met pitfalls, and we can help you steer away from some of those pitfalls. But you're going to find some new pitfalls of your own, sure. too. There's right? always new ones to stumble <laughs> yes, into. There always are. <laughs> but there's ways to but get out, But it's very doable. Too. It's right. very doable. And, and it makes the world and your community a much better place. And then, so do you do various projects with, um, you know, are they kind of, you know, you said you didn't want to do a one and done, and I know you're trying to get the Dalai Lama back at some point and, but I'm sure there's, you know, maybe smaller projects. That's kind of, yeah, we've done projects, uh, backpacks for the homeless where we, you know, connected high school students with the college students here and they went around and, uh, went to dentist office to get toothpaste and toothbrushes, hotels for, you know, towels, shampoos, and soap. Uh, and one of the parents got involved and convinced L.L. Bean to donate backpacks. All the backpacks? Yeah. Wow. And so, right. you know, it, it's, you know it, it's never just one person. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, a web of people. It's a group of people making, making the difference. And that's the strength of compassion, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's, never, it's never one person. <laughs> compassion is about others. And so everyone's looking out for each other and it creates that web of strength that even if someone tries to break through their envelopes by compassion and you, you've got so many people that you, you can either fall back on or they won't even let you fall down. They'll, they'll pick you up <laughs> while you're right falling. Yep. <laughs> right And, and that's, that's the beauty of this whole movement. And, and Charter for Compassion was our, our, that's where we went to to start this whole thing. You know, with Marilyn, Marilyn's like, okay, let's figure they're this out of, together. Right? They're the gurus of the yeah, uh, compassion it, world. It, they they are, and, and Marilyn is 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 our leader for for that. She directs us and puts us into different different points of of contact, and and that that's what's really cool. When they didn't have too much of the university stuff done, but I was able to bounce off of the ideas off of her, mm-hmm. right? And she goes, okay, let's go this way. Oh, I have somebody who's done this. Okay, let's see. So she, you know, it's just, she's a great listener, but then she connects. And what are your goals going forward, Marilyn? Where would you like to see this go? Well, um, you know, my goals are pretty steadfast. Um, One of the things is that we're very much a volunteer organization. And, um, you know, we keep getting volunteers from everywhere, but the thing is, is that we have tremendous need. Um, like right now, I think some of our biggest need is, is coming out of Yemen. 
working with a group that's actually trying to put together Compassionate Yemen. Um, and you can imagine what that means in a country that's at war with over a million uh, internal refugees just in the capital itself. Mm-hmm. And so certainly one of the goals is to um, to try and find entrepreneurs who would be willing to say, well, we're, we're willing to set up an emergency fund uh, so that, for example, that we could actually um, – find someone on the ground uh, in these places where a great deal of, of work is needed. So that's one thing. The The other thing is um, I think it's time for us to have a uh, Charter for Compassion Education Corps, very much like the Peace Corps. Uh, we have so many, as as Chris has indicated and, and I have alluded to, we have so many uh, folks around the world who are educators, who are um, you know, social workers, and have a, a great deal of skill. And um, I think that we can put together an education core that would respond to the needs, educational needs of of people globally, um, you know. For example, if um, if we were to consider the kind of of true education that would be needed uh, to assist people who are in refugee camps in the Middle East, um, you know, would be one thing. But then also to to put together um, an education core that would relate to a um, a natural uh, disaster like uh, an earthquake that might occur in in Haiti, tsunamis, where, you know, basically what you have are individuals who might find themselves with without being in a school uh, or without being in a home uh, for not one year, but in many cases, um, you know, 10 years uh, for uh, a need for recovery. So that's that's another, you know, big big goal, uh, big dream. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we really have a dream of having a couple other key, um, people to work on all of the cities that are falling through the cracks. So, and, and when I say that, you know, I, I can say, well, you know, we, we cannot let go of, uh, some of the needs that are, are being shown, uh, globally, but, you know, we really need to build a team of people, uh, on, on the ground. And that's, you know, that's what it takes. Uh, and certainly, you know, having people who speak, uh, the vernacular is, is so very, very important. Um, I could go on, <laughs> but I mean, those are, those, those are, are lofty the, goals, the but certainly admirable for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's terrific. And, and the fact that you're working with cities, uh, right here, you know, Charlottesville or whatever. And they, there are so many cities that could certainly use your help and it's terrific what you're doing, Marilyn. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so just before we wrap up, there's a question that we always throw out to each of our (laughs) guests. Um, and I just want to get your take on it. Do you look at compassion as a value of virtue or a verb and why? (laughs) <laughs> well, definitely it's a verb. Uh, it's attached to a skill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that once uh, you start to think about yourself as putting compassion into action, it could be, you know, so what you might term to be such a small action, perhaps of kindness. Uh, but then, you know, just seeing how that catapults and you know, becomes larger and larger, um, not only for yourself, but for others. I think that's, that's really important. And then, then I think about it as a learned skill that you, you keep honing it, you, um, you keep using it and, and trying it out and working it through with others. And of course, you know, as a skill, it's associated to so many other things and to so many other attributes, uh, liking being encouraging of other people, uh, looking to um, the whole process of forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, looking to, um, you know, other, other areas. You know, the, the more I work with the Compassionate Movement, I keep thinking about civility uh, and, you know, how that is such an important, um, you know, virtue that, that we really need to not only give examples for, but also to kind of reintroduce into our uh, living and teaching processes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think about compassion. Terrific. That's that a great was, answer. That was great. And Marilyn, thank you for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. And what you are to me is the kind of the the ground zero for Compassion Achiever. You're, you're the place where we all go to to kind of connect to other people who are interested in compassion. And I can't thank you enough for being that 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 main point for all of us, that, that North Star that we go to. And you really are. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for not only the compassion community, but for the community at large. And you never stop. You're up in one in the morning. You're, you're constantly going. And it, it's amazing to me. And I, I have so much respect for you. And I hope our listeners today get a good sense of you know what it is to unleash the compassion achiever within you so that we all can unlock success. That is our... Well, thank you. Thank so much. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to stop you because, I mean, it's, you know, the same on you. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Aussie uh, TV, um, and I, I love the some of the, the phrases that they have, but it's like kind of right back at you, Christopher <laughs> Cook. Um, because, uh, you know, you you are such a model of, of really uh, listening to people taking the the concern of others and using your ingenuity and and really helping others grow thanks yeah terrific kudos to both of you seriously this is great so just um very quickly again um it's the uh charter for org or dot com dot org dot no org. it's dot Okay, mm-hmm. just want to make sure that they have that. And, and we'll, we'll put, put that on the, on the website as well. And be sure and find us at WCSU Media. Marilyn Turkovich, thank you again. Really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thanks, All right, Marilyn. take care. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.